0: And if you know Ergo, we love Independent, and we love shit not being locked down. So <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store.
1: We want freedom. I'm a scholar in Normanette.
0: Well, hello. Hey. It's Ergo. Yes, it is. I am Kiss. I am Damon and what we do here is reshape the culture of our city and world
2: for the more liberatory and creative damon what's going on with you oh well, you know the world's just spinning trying to trying to treat it well and appreciate what it's given but very excited to, to for this conversation how you feeling
0: i'm all right i'm uh in a relevant way i am for i am a little <laughs> overwhelmed uh but i was glad that we had the space today to unpack something that i think you know, we're we're not a big talk back to the news type of show, but this is something that felt relevant and important.
2: And there's a conversation we've been having for years and want to figure out how to do more in a produced public way. And so this is this is an effort to that.
0: Basically, we dive headfirst into the the blacks and the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, we wanted to figure out how to have some meaningful, important conversation about all this post-Kaie Kyrie kerfuffle, Um, and there's kind of only one person who we felt like would be a a great partner in that, and that's Dr. Jared Ball, who came on the show earlier this year. He's a brilliant writer, thinker, educator, uh, media maker, and has been a really thoughtful participant in conversations around this topic, in addition to, of course, many other things. And so we're really glad to get him on the show and, you know, fumble through the messiness with him. So, yeah,
2: we we had Jared on originally episode 296. So after this conversation, if you want some more, go check that out. We also briefly reference a dinner I had at Farrakhan's house that is <laughs> becoming folklore. Uh, and the best deep dive of that happened on episode 271 with the phenomenal Jamila Lemieux. All right, let's get to it. This is this is a big one. We we unpack a lot, and it still feels like we are only getting to the surface of. Let's just call it an intertangled conversation. You don't think we? You don't think we solved it, Dame? I don't think we fixed the the conversation between the blacks and the Jews. <laughs> Damn
0: it! All right, well we'll give it another try. But let's start here.
2: Let's get into it. Yeah. All right, we are back. We are in full effect. We are excited to have, I think, I think I'm going to take the leap of friend of the show now, <laughs> returning. Does that uh, seem fair? <laughs> yeah, I
1: hope so. Sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, the friendship is invited. You're willing to accept on your own terms. Uh, but brilliant thinker, author, educator, media maker, and critic. Um, studier of Africana and journalism and all of the the big word things. Uh, we <laughs> we have the the phenomenal return of Dr. Jared Ball. Bra, 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 bra.
1: I appreciate it. We were just talking about overdoing it, and I feel uh-huh. like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's overdoing it. I appreciate it. We nah, we appreciate.
2: make practice of overdoing it, but but it is deserved, sir. You you
1: it is overdue
2: that you get some overdue. You know, and we could have right, done, done a lot more. Not we could have done a lot back. more. We have done a lot more.
1: No, I appreciate it. Thank Word.
2: you. So for folks who, um, who didn't check out part one, one, once you, once you check this out, go ahead and, and get back in there. But if this is your first time being introduced to Jared Ball here with Ergo, I just want to say again, thank you for, for rocking with us. I was kind of joke about the friendship, but, uh, like I said, in our last conversation, uh, your thinking has been really helpful to me in my adult life. And, you know, a lot of times where I have to go back 40 and 50 years into text or into YouTube archives to find an analysis or some guide or even comradeship, uh, it has felt alienating. And so, you know, you as a, as a thinker of this time among others have been important to me. So thanks, thanks for coming back with us.
1: No, I appreciate that. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: And so, so with that, I think we'll start at the same place we always start, which is a two-part question. And that question is in this time, however you define time, this hour, this day, this season, this lifetime. How is the world treating you and how are you treating the world?
1: Well, relative to most people, the world is treating me and and mine quite well. It could and should be a lot better, but since it's treating so many people worse, I guess I shouldn't complain. And at the same time, I hope that the world as it's currently constructed finds in me uh, uh, an enemy.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe a place to start, uh, and it, it alludes to some of what Damon said in the importance you've served for, for him and for both of us. You know, when we've had you on the first time, we talked so much about kind of the, the what of one of your central uh, arguments, writings. Um, and, and I think this time we want to focus a little bit more on the how and the why of the work you do uh, on a larger scale. So what would you name it is that you do? And what are you hoping it contributes?
1: What I've always fantasized that my work would be doing is informing and encouraging radical and militant organization and political movement-making. I've always thought of the the point that I paraphrased from George Jackson, where he said that uh, the goal of the revolutionary and a non-revolutionary moment is to create space for revolution to occur. I'm interpreting it as a as him encouraging that, like, I get it. Like, I know, like, um, we're not on the precipice of seeing the world that I'd like to see. We're not there. I don't feel like I live in a moment where that's happening. And sometimes I'm, I feel like it's not even possible. But I just want to encourage it. And I want to help create space where people can feel encouraged and inspired to to at least think about it. Radical change and revolution and, and all those things, you know, and, and then I, I feel like I, you know, we I and my collective and, and my work in general just plays a small part of, a, a as you said, an ecosystem of of similar like media.
2: The, the word ecosystem really resonates. And I would like to get back to like. How do you see the landscape or the boundaries of that ecosystem? Uh, But I do want to kind of go back a little bit. One, introduce your work that I think we're referring to. And also, I think, honor a legacy that if I said in the last conversation, forgive me for being redundant, but but it was important for me to name. Um, So first, I want to say I found you, right? Like doing some talk that I thought was interesting. Then I found your page. I mix what I like. From an observer, it felt like uh, a vestige of some work that you used to do. And you would kind of throw stuff up there scattered. And then maybe right before pandemic, or maybe in it, your page, which was a show that felt like a passion project or thing that you would do at your own capacity, then transformed into what felt like a media entity that made space for a collective of voices and thinkers. So I mixed what I like turned into Black Power Media, and I mixed what I like was then seeming to be a uh, property feels like the worst word for a component. <laughs> Revolutionary anti-capitalist <laughs> media, but a, but a component of Black Power media. So first, I just want you know anyone listening, particularly if you're on the YouTube space, to go subscribe and check out Black Power Media. And there's a, a cacophony of voices and and content to get through, and it's a lot of deep dives. Um, Something I saw you do on that space was honor your, a little bit of your legacy and lineage of a mentor that you had a a complicated relationship that you named, but you did this really beautiful piece after the passing of Glenn Ford, who is a founder of the Black Agenda Report and a radical thinker and journalist and media maker. Um, And I think in your talking about him, one, just condolences for the loss, and I thought it was beautiful the way you, in someone's passing, named the complex relationship you had in a very sensitive way. But in that naming, it felt like you were contextualizing the lineage of work that you do in that black power media is certain of ex- a, an extension of. So can you talk about the lineage of this movement media ecosystem that like brought you to the space of creating this entity?
0: That goes back before the tools we have right now to do that work.
1: Yeah. The, the, the you know, Glenn Ford. Um, yeah. I still struggle to talk. I mean, he, 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 w- he, he was an immense brilliant and powerful thinker and writer and broadcaster. I told him I'm I am like trying and failing to be like you. And you know, I'm just not that good. Uh, but yeah, like with like with many people, you know, we had some issues. And then I have, you know, I have my own issues that I brought to that relationship that's not had nothing to do with him. So I had to acknowledge that also. But but um but the legacy that he represented for me. Goes back to all of the efforts of anyone, particularly in the traditions of in the histories of African people, but anywhere where somebody was oppressed and had to first start to develop. An unsanctioned analysis and then report that to others in a way to get them on the same page so that something could be done about their collective situation, you know, there's certainly, in terms of this country and, and and Black history in the United States, there's certainly that tradition of John Cornish and, and uh, Sam Cornish and John Russworm uh, and and Freedom's Journal and the the Negro World from Marcus Garvey and and you know th- this tradition of emancipatory journalism. That got picked up, of course, with Emory Douglas and the Black Panther newspaper, the intercommunal news service. And, that you know, Glenn Ford comes out of that tradition more immediately, the Black Panther Party and that kind of reporting in, the, in, in that, that community based journalism. And that's really what I had always wanted to do. Like I was very late to, to, to YouTube and even to using the Internet, because I, I thought it was always more important to use traditional airwaves and mixtape and, and spaces where you could really convey things. I mean, we could never do the stuff that I would have wanted to do or used to do with with the mixtape on YouTube. You can't do that, both in terms of content and in terms of copyright, you know, which has its own regime of colonialism and its history behind it. So I don't want to just keep rambling, but that's sort of the tradition that I had always wanted to attach myself to and that had always aspired to. So um,
0: Um, I, I want to pull out a phrase that you used. Um, then I think I know what you mean, but I think it could be helpful to define a little bit of unsanctioned narrative. Was that the phrase? Unsanctioned that analysis. Unsanctioned right analysis. Like, yeah. yeah that. <laughs> and so I think let's maybe talk about it in the context of now. Like, what are the boundaries of sanctioned analysis, and what are the the narratives that live outside of that that you feel are getting eliminated, <laughs> basically?
1: You know, usually I just simplify it as saying, you know, the the, the sanctioned analysis politically is anything that is within the Democrat and Republican Party politics. That's the sanctioned world we live in. Uh, So there doesn't have to be unanimity or uniformity of opinion or perspective, but it can't go outside of that. Once you go outside in either direction, really, but definitely to the left, um, once you go outside of the Democratic Party leftward, it's like a descending scale of, of attention and acceptance. You know, my far right end is left of the Democratic Party, and then <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> somewhere before we start getting into the 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 vague, empty space of of quote unquote conspiracy theory and and half truths and all the other kind of stuff. So somewhere in that sort of what what, what I, I've generally understood to be this, the the scientific materialist. Radical approach, although I do like to include a healthy dose of African uh, centered cultural perspective, at least. So when I say unsanctioned, I, you know, that, that's pretty much what I mean. You know, when you when you start to to raise questions that that, um, again, in, in encourage people to leave the Democratic Party leftward.
0: Yeah, naming naming a colonial project, for instance. Yes, and then for you end sure. up you end up like uh, Sandra Bullock and Gravity is what I was picturing the whole time. Oh wow, like, just that's the far you said like the empty space, and I was like, <laughs> oh no, there's a drift. <laughs> yes, we try to stay a little bit in the orbit of the world,
1: <laughs> you know? Right, that's it. Yeah, because it can go on. I mean, it is endless out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right, Daniel. Let's let's get to it. Let's. let's you want you want to get to it? Jump in it. I, I, All right. I pass. I pass you the ball, friend.
0: So one of the reasons why we wanted to have you back on now, one fun thing that listeners may not know is that for the last five years, Damon and I have been doing a podcast that doesn't get recorded that's just for us, which is the Blacks and the Jews, and we've just been going back and forth and unpacking it together. Uh, Are you serious right now, though? I mean, we just have have an ongoing conversation, basically.
2: No, yes, and also have been working to...
0: Yeah, no there the will be a show. show. <laughs> there will be a show which we can talk about that I would love it to It might talk not about. be called The Blacks and the Jews. That might be the part. He's,
2: but hey, we don't know. I mean, it might work. <laughs> it might get to the point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but there's been this ongoing conversation that kind of happens in the periphery of the work that people encounter from us that has been, you know, usually reactive or triggered by these moments of like media flare up around a black public figure, celebrity Uh, saying something that's deemed anti-Semitic, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, and then the corporate media and just public opinion response to that. And so that's just been an ongoing conversation for us. And part of why it hasn't been public is because it kind of feels like there's very few other people to talk to about it (laughs) in the ways that feel productive and useful. And that's part of what, for me, I was so glad to find you and your work. And so in thinking about unpacking this last couple weeks, you're kind of the only person other than Damon that I want to talk to about it. Like, I kind of don't want to talk to either side because I don't <laughs> think this is an issue of sides. Um, so thanks for
1: meeting us in the middle here. Um, so if I can, I, I want to start with, you know, I'm I'm struck by the the point you made about sides and meeting in the middle because I don't see it as meeting in the middle. And I do see this as an absolute issue of sides, um, whether it's sides <laughs> being Black and Jew, white, Black, rich, poor, there are sides here. Mm-hmm. The other thing for your audience, and, and, I, and, I, and this is one of the few occasions I think it's, it's important for me to do this, I, I do like to share and be clear. I am informed by, in addition to years of study and experience on these particular issues, uh, the fact that I'm the son of a Black man and a European-descended Jewish mother. Who, by the way, as I've reminded folks, even I think this morning, refused, refuses, she's still here, to say Jewish. She is a Jew. Don't say to her, Jewish. She's, I am a Jew. I am not Jewish. We're talking about Jews. So, just like I heard Peter Rosenberg telling Matt Hoffa on his platform recently, you know, if you're not a Jew, don't say Jew, say Jewish, just as a caution. And my mother's whole point has always been, damn that there's nothing wrong with you. And if you're not saying it with any animosity, what's the issue? And if you are saying with animosity, it's still the label. So I don't, you know, this whole thing of say Jewish so you don't sound <laughs> anti-Semitic or whatever. Anyway, so I just want I start there, and then I also like to add that I think it's interesting to note that my half brother and my late half sister, my father's first children are and were high ranking members in the nation of Islam. so I always like to point that out sometimes for human you know, comedic effect, you know, it it's, it's, it's been a it's been an interesting, even if indirect you know upbringing. if nothing else,
2: I'm getting the scoop <laughs> if nothing else and minimum, going- it's a
0: great sitcom
2: setup <laughs> you know? it really is
1: <laughs> it really it really is uh, to add one more layer to that and this sort of gets to the point that i want us to to get to is that, I was also raised with a healthy dose of socialism, communism and labor union politics. And that's where I think, you know, most of this ends up really, you know, falling down. So uh, which would be the the more most appropriate title of the show. Black Jews and commies would be the maybe depends (laughs) on the
0: show. Depends on the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I
1: mean, you know, either way, I'm going to tune in. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We got one listener. Excellent.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a good um,
1: so my point about sides is that, that, yes, I am, I, I like the point, like, I'm the product of these two communities, but not in some sort of uh, symbolic hand-holding coming together of the two communities. It's like, I am the result of a brief, specific relationship and, and at the sort of the, the, intersection of of hostilities now we could get into why these hostilities exist but by and large the black community has a hostile relationship is put in a hostile relationship really with everybody but certainly all those of european descent who accept positions of whiteness within this this society structure so the class of jews that end up intersecting with most black people are just that their specific section of mostly European, Eastern European, specifically descended Jews who came to this country and who decided consciously to become part of its fabric in every form. At certain points, it has meant involvement in everything from enslavement to colonialism, to Jim Crow, to redlining, to contractual exploitation in, in media and music, to all of the things that end up being you know, talked about legitimately and stereotypically. But that has come to represent the entire experience or the entire community of Jews and that entire history. Now, lastly, I think that has also been done intentionally, not just by... Black communities or anyone said to be engaged in some form of anti-Semitism, but has been part of a right-wing conservative Zionist even project of saying Jews who have ended up in certain areas of society's arrangement have been used to or have been allowed to or welcome to perform that role of Participating in this settler colonial project, which has it meant certainly after the nineteen sixty seven war, an aggressive support by the United States of Israel. All of that has encouraged whether we're going back to the Anti Defamation League and its you know right wing engagement with civil rights as part of this you know conservative project, or whether we're talking about today's condemnation of Kanye, Kyrie, or anyone else. The real issue is. There can't be an honest discussion about how anybody ends up anywhere in our society or in its economy. And by condemning any criticism as either anti-Semitic or some other form of conspiracy or lunacy, it allows for the most conservative forms of the conversation to permeate. And then we can never get to the point where we're actually asking, how did everybody get to these positions? And we just get to the point where, as Dave Chappelle, I think accurately summarized in his SNL sketch, at least in that one line, he got right. If it's Black people, it's a gang. If it's Italians, it's a mafia. And if it's Jews, it's a coincidence and we can't talk about it. And in each case, there is an accuracy that should be outlined. When when people talk about the Italian mafia, they go into a history that explains how Italians fit into a specific moment in an economy and a society and played a certain role, a certain segment of Italians same for black people who form gangs when there's an honest conversation or or street organizations as some of us like to refer to like if we have an honest conversation you can explain socioeconomically how they end up there now we know when we see jews end up in certain se- sectors of the economy or society rather than leaving room for all of the conservative not just conspiracy and silly but really it's all conservative explanation for it rather than have a conversation that, that makes that moot. We cut it off. It's encouraged to be cut off. There's a couple, not caveats, but
0: just like context that I want to make sure. sure we name. So we're talking about in a U.S. and then when we extend European context, the context that I want to give is that around the world, there are Jews with many different social positions, read racially many different ways. There are many Jews who, if they came to the United States, would not be read as white. There are Jews who in their space are not red as white. The reason why that conflation happens in the United States has more to do with European imperialism and who is allowed to come to the United States in the settlement of this country, as well as the violent politics of Europe, than it does with who, quote, the Jews are. So that just feels like an important point that there's a U.S. centrism to how this gets talked about. There are Jews all over the world who look a lot of different ways, hold a lot of different social positions and identities. And because of U.S. centrism and colonialism, that's part of the monolith of what happens here. And I think it's something that is maybe the clearest way that the weaponization of anti-Semitism is used to support white supremacy is by conflating uh, those as if the white Jewish power base of America is what Jews are. Um, So that's just one piece that I wanted to name as, as we go that like we're talking
1: about here. I agree with everything. But one thing that ultimately bothers me is that that group of Jews themselves does want to identify themselves as the only legitimate Jew. My frustration in all of that is is the denial among Ashkenazi Jews that this is the case, that there is this bias for their brand of Judaism. But the other thing that I think is important to note is that when we're talking about the interaction in this country in the United States between black people and Jews, that's the group we're talking about, mm-hmm. mostly Ashkenazi, mostly European descended. We're not talking about Sephardic, and we're not talking about anyone else. Specifically, we're talking about a group that mostly descends from Eastern Europe and mostly came over at around the turn of the century and then has mostly sought to immerse itself in white America and to consciously not pronounce its Judaism because they know that when Europeans identify them as Jews, here comes the violence and the it's, hostility. There's not a parade afterwards for them. Hell yeah. no. <laughs> so, so this is not to excuse behavior. This is not to say this is why you shouldn't be mad if a Jew mistreats you or whatever. No, it's to say that if you really want to understand beyond obviously the conspiracies and the Illuminati and all that kind of stuff. If you want to understand the the mystical Jew and all that, if you want to get beyond all of that, if you want to get beyond sort of those bland, you know, vague references to the they and the though who run everything and own everything, if you want to get beyond that, then we have to be able to get into these histories, but they're never discussed. You know, I'm no, certainly no leading expert, but when I have engaged any kind of study most specifically, a couple years ago, I was trying to set up a course around the study of violence in film. Who are the victims depicted on screen? Like who, is there is there a pattern? What became clear to me, and then I followed up with more research behind that, was for all that is supposed to have been said about Jews who running Hollywood. There's only one major motion picture film that depicts Jews in armed struggle against Nazis, the film Defiance. And in reading about that, I read a number of of instances where Jews in discussion with other Jews about that history spoke about their desire not to tell those stories, because they wanted the post-Holocaust narrative not to be focused on them as a problem, but them either as a victim or as someone you could welcome into your society. Part of the trauma of the Holocaust was that it created, in, among many Jews, a desire not to talk about it, and certainly not to talk about the resistance of it. And I'm saying going back before the, the Second World War, The history of the pogroms and the negative, you know, the the, you know Jews in Europe is not one of, as you said, parades and and hand holding,
0: and it's not one of passive acceptance and victimization. It is one of resistance and resistance to imperial power, and fighting for self determination and religious autonomy. Like, and then there's other histories connected to it, but that is, it's it's not it's neither it's neither a parade or a
1: we were powerless always and didn't do anything about it absolutely so i was using this i trying to develop this for my students to say conceptually european descended jews feel still i think feel like they're running in an escape from the rest of europe and and if you think about someone in the moment they're panicked and running away from something they're not thinking about every step they're taking they're not even necessarily picking the right direction. They're just running away. They haven't mapped out the course they're running. They don't even have a destination yet. They're not looking down necessarily to think, am I stepping on on an animal, an ant, another person, a pothole? They're just like, I'm running. And in some ways, I feel like the Jews we end up talking about in, in terms of conflict with Black people here are conceptually running from European nightmares. And Running towards what they perceive of as the American, the North American, the USA light, and a light they even want to help create. And in so doing, they're you know whenever they're you know if they're hurting people here and there, they're not focused on that. They might not even want to hear from those that they are uh, uh, when they do because they're thinking, "Look, I got to run." I think that that's
0: a spot on and is inherited, right? So now we're we're three gener- just. I'll speak for me. That's a hundred percent right the escape, survival instinct, inherited trauma, like, and maybe it's running toward the American light and wanting to have a hand in it, and maybe it's more disillusioned than that, and it's like, this will keep me, quote, safe today. There's a lot of both of those, that it's not an ideological agreement, it's a pragmatic participation.
1: Sure. Yeah. I think that's largely accurate. Um, now again, that doesn't excuse all of the course. choices. It's of just course. to say, like, if we want to be honest about what's going on, it can't just can't keep, just keep this circ cycle of that's just Jews. That's just the Jews, you know. <laughs> anyway, I mean,
2: yes, yeah. so, yeah, w- with this. I, yeah. I, w- I want to jump in, but I've like also enjoyed listening because that's been a part of like this relationship or this conversation that has been going on off mic that Daniel alludes to. Um, And I kind of want to be like an analog or an avatar for folks, because even like the the level of nuance in history, we've gotten to, I don't think even like unpack some of the constructs. So I feel privileged because I was, you know, I, I, I have a degree in sociology and took a course in racial construction and got to understand whiteness. Right. Like I didn't realize growing up how much I did not understand about white. I thought whiteness was a monolith, right? Um, And so there was this like weird contradictory position that, you know, being honest, you know, in in my upbringing, I I never explicitly recognized any of the more like conspiratorial tendencies, but the, the naming of Jews is usually twofold of like either the whitest white, which in unpacking how that's untrue or a model minority that like, there is almost an envy slash aspiration towards these notions of like cooperative economics or communal solidarity that, you know, may have some cultural reality, but I think also in many ways are untrue or mythologized. Right. And so in this conversation, I think it was, (laughs) I think maybe the, the, the start of it was after, you know, I was like involved in a lot of interaction with Ferguson. And so Farrakhan had like a, early ferguson effect gathering at his house here in chicago and i like happened to be in there and he mostly was talking about the adl right? can you set
0: the scene a little bit of the room just you i love how you talk about this of
2: like so <laughs> i'm there with this like you know basic like grassroots protest group called lost voices but then there's fo- you know like deray is there or yeah.
0: <laughs> the eye roll for our lizards at home is hilarious <laughs> and
2: fantastic and just you know for the shame like the the foi had to like confiscate his phone because he was the only one trying to live tweet and take pictures at tell the, at the, did Ooh, they confiscate tell you
1: what the minister
2: just said <laughs> but you know for those who haven't been there like it's literally like a palace right and they have like security and like you, you take your lighters and everything you get like searched the you know three course meal and the whole thing, but it's like Charlene Carruthers, Jamila Lemieux, um, Dream Hampton, um Damn. the guys from the 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 uh National Hip Hop Congress, uh Jasiri X, right? So I think Tef and Tory uh were both there, right? It was it was a good space, but then probably about like 45 minutes in, there was then like 45 minutes on the Jews. And he said nothing at the time that was like, ooh, that's like Vulgar, but it's like there's just a lot of energy.
0: Going like why? The, there, why are we talking about of, it? Yeah.
2: Okay, the ADL is bad. Like let's look out for him. All right, but we're spending like 45 minutes. And then he <laughs> made a, the Cosby turn, which then, as you can imagine, based off the shape of that table, that is then where things <laughs> where things <descend laughs> got to. interesting. Yeah. Um, but I made that point to say like that's kind of the time mark, early 2015, where me and Daniel start having this conversation. One, the thing that he kind of pointed out of this this false notion of equating Jewishness or Jews with whiteness um, is one, just untrue. And two, that that history of resistance doesn't just exist in the Holocaust, the multi-century history of resistance and displacement. But three, it then kind of prone me for something that was coming up in my study. There's this like little, you know, sect of scholarship of like the Southern black freedom movement. So you got texts like, I, I, Charles Payne's, I think it's I Got This, I've Got The Light of Freedom. There's uh, this nonviolent stuff that gets you killed. There's Robin Kelly's Hammer and Hoe. There's Barbara's Ella Baker and the Black Freedom Movement. And what you see is that there is a practice of white folks contributing or participating or coming down or rocking with SNCC. And disproportionately, those Northern whites, as they were called, were of Jewish descent, right? So actually, what then became clear to me is that the way that the conversation goes, and once we get wrapped up in mythology and wrapped up in conspiracy, is that similarly to actually your argument in Myth of Black Mind Power, that this is organized to protect capitalism, racial capitalism, and white supremacist imperialism, right? Like, usually, conspiratorial or otherwise, the things where people are saying, the Jews it's usually like a a way to not say whiteness or to say the state or to say you know shorthand like the feds, right? Like all the fears of media being manipulated and propaganda exist, right? Like all the fears of capital dominating and land domination and, you know, rent, all of those things exist. But the idea that this one sect being the face of it, as a sinister way to take over the world actually stops us from having the conversation similar about the Illuminati of how oppression is organized. Um, and so it's actually then really interesting. Part of it was trying to understand like, yo, why do we rock so hard? Right? Like, or is it just because we went to school together just because, you know, our moms both taught us things or is there a historical trajectory or legacy? And so finding that there actually is a hidden history of deeper, much more intersection and solidarity. And that's why I use like, What I started to see is that so much of what we understand of particularly Southern U.S. fascist, white supremacy, Klan type stuff, to summarize it, it was the fears like the commie Jews are coming to rile up the niggers to sleep with our daughters. Right. Like that's pretty much what the proclaimed fear was. And I didn't understand that connection or that there was a side by side might not be the, the best way, to, but that there was this interconnection or some solidarities that existed the way we talk about it in this conspiratorial notion erases something that could actually help us be in deeper resistance and and be working towards liberation there's one piece to that which is that that is
0: true and there's jews on the other side who were
2: active participated
0: that were accomplices and drivers of the forces of violence too right so it's not that the jews were in solidarity right right, and it's not that the jews were in opposition it's it's the, the take the, that's the, that's why that's the take Chappelle. That's the Chappelle joke. We're talking about people. We're talking about people, white people <laughs> with a particular position
1: choosing where to participate. To be honest, my, between a bad memory and not having read everything. So even the book list you just listed, I think I read half of those. and And I don't even remember to what extent they talk about what would have actually been the percentage of whites involved in civil rights who were actually Jews? I think there's always this back and forth about overrepresentation, underrepresentation, But I think both of you make the important point that for me is, is the point that keeps getting lost is that the Jews that we end up talking about are a certain class and ideological section of that group. So whether we're talking about those involved in civil rights or those involved left of that, because like there is still Marilyn Buck and David Gilbert who are far you know, left of that, who never get considered when, when even talking about Jews and civil rights. It's a class and ideological position that gets ignored. Same thing when in his more recent version, Minister Farrakhan ends up talking about his long history of, of beef with the ADL and how he's been in these elite meetings. And in one case was in this, this penthouse of some elite Jew who said he owned everything but the point that I want to keep wanting to raise is one of my joke is, well, why are you in his penthouse? Right. <laughs> like, what are you doing there? And, and,
2: exactly.
1: and he is a class ideological representative of that community that is not reflective of other segments of the community. And this is where I, you know, usually, cause I'm usually in, engaged with black community uh, in, in, in spaces where where my particular identity gets confused, you know, it's not me who's confused, but it, I end up confusing others, that my criticism of Farrakhan or, or that what I consider a sort of conservative Black criticism is based on my defense of Jews. And that's not the point. My point is that the Black community is not getting the analysis it deserves. And by just dismissing this as an issue of Jews, doesn't get it.
2: Yeah, but let's let's kind of stay there because we clunkily kind of tried to pack it I think I'm stuck on ago. that
1: meeting. I want to hear more about, <laughs> <laughs> about, <laughs> about the About the Ferguson meeting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that was one oh, last no. point. I Go do ahead. want to hear more about that at some point, whether we for do sure. that on or off for the sure, air. For sure, for sure. But one thing that I, that because you, you've talked about, and I talk about it too all the time, where when Farrakhan goes in on the ADL, as the point was just made, the ADL can't wait to do the same thing. And Greenblatt just did it again as soon, I mean, it's like they have a, a form letter And they just have to insert Kyrie or Kanye, and then they got it already. And and because Farrakhan says the same thing in his speeches, the ADL can print the same condemnation in theirs, (laughs) update the date on the blog post, and we get nowhere. Because all they want to say is, look at the Black folks are anti-Semitic. And then on the the last one, it was so blatant. It was like, like right after it was, so we need a fundraiser. (laughs) yeah of course it's new anti-semitism look at the black folks give us more money and then on the other side farrakhan and others can basically do the same thing look at the jews they're doing it again now support me some more
0: they're strange strange bedfellows of that like they keep each other relevant
1: in that they create Mm -hmm. the boogeyman for each other yeah no there's definitely a hustle to it (laughs) i would joke like that i would say like we're going to find out one day I used to say that about about Abraham Foxman before he retired. That that that, that it was like Foxman and Farrakhan are hanging out. Yeah. So when Farrakhan keeps talking about all these meetings and penthouses, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That was my
0: thought. It's like if you actually like, felt the way you say, it, you would punch you each would other out go. in the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: yeah. That's hilarious. So I think that gets to you know I think we clunkily tried to pack out pack everything. in seven <laughs> years of the nuanced conversations we've been having, and then also like a multi-century history. <laughs> to get to the, the discourse and I think what happens and the implications that happen in this course, because, you know, our, our relationship or this partnership expanded my capacity and gave me some sensitivity to nuances. But then the, the, the thing that does feel real in a complicated way is we are talking about an inequable power relationship. Right? right. And so when things are named that I now, have information that like, okay, that's just not true or not it. Or I understand what you're getting to and like your expression or your vocabulary usage is limited in getting there. And it might be the same language trajectory as the intentional dog whistles. And so I, I get how that can, you know, gets rightfully messy. Um, but this notion of, Trying to question these dynamics, really trying to have a conversation about white supremacy that I think gets misguided, then gets responded to with this closing off, with this flattening, that paradoxically reinforces <laughs> the conspiratorial, like it becomes a, 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 a no moving situation of if I name this thing in a way that gets critiqued, then the critique is an enforcement of the type of power that shadows the thing that I've tried to say or name that that get us in this conundrum Then now The thing I'm concerned about is not, oh, we need to coddle or placate, but to your point of Farrakhan being conservative leaning, that these ideologies, mythologies, framings are rooted in fascist white supremacy and conservatism and move us away from the liberatory focus of what we need to be looking about. So I'm equally concerned with the seeming disciplining of black discourse, even if I disagree with how it is being framed. But I think I'm more concerned with that then actually validating folks being distracted from a liberatory lens as black people specifically. Dan, you want to I just, I,
0: I agree that that's the thing that, you know, obviously I have my personal hurt in seeing things play out, but in terms of like what my main thought has been is like,
2: what a counterproductive waste of time. All this is. Cause it's like Kanye and Kyrie get silenced. And now it's like Kyrie and Kanye were right, which is not Those exactly are two true. Very <laughs> different things. And, there's a question about like who's doing the
0: silencing, what are their political incentives for that, what gives them the power to do that, and because it's not some cabal, it's the, the backing of co- the corporate nation state, that's why you can get dropped, is not because the Jews decided it, it's because your shareholders, your board decided it.
2: And who's on that board? Yeah, sorry, sorry, but Aoy, while we're doing this, we're not talking about fucking white Christians, right? And like the 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 Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts and the Pentagon. They and don't Exxon have Mobil. any power. I don't know, if know why you bring <laughs> up, them up them up. They don't, don't know, have their like, power. Yeah, so we're giving you a bunch. they are throwing at you. I don't know if, if this I me- you. This is
1: this is messy. Thanks for bearing <laughs> with us. I feel, no. I appreciate. I mean, it's 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 all a lie. That's sort of the, the thing. It's like so Arabs who enslaved Africans. Like that was a Jewish conspiracy. The, the, the Christian slave trade, like, even if you argue with, with good evidence that there were a good amount of Jews who were financing and benefiting through insurance and whatever, and that means that the, the, the white folks involved, the, the Gentiles involved were somehow powerless. Like all of that, like state power is meaningless. Monarchies are meaningless having control of the CIA and the military is powerlessness. Like, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? The history seems to me pretty clear. The Gentiles have said, you can have these playgrounds of the low class of Hollywood and entertainment and certain media or journalism outlets, provided you play a role politically. And I feel like that's sort of the setup. And I'm not the only one who has pointed this out, but to say, Jews are relegated to these areas of the economy and then held up as the reason that they're in that area of the economy. Again, and I'm talking about a specific handful of a class, of a gender even, and of an ideology. The amount of Jews who said, I'm not trying to become a Gentile. I'm not changing my name. I'm not writing Wish You a White Christmas and all that other stuff. I'm not going to make some silly movie movie about whatever those jews are omitted from history they don't become part of those nexus points of hostility with black or any other community so to ignore them like they don't exist or their histories or the world histories that put them in where that doesn't exist is really a problem for me so i i you know yeah i don't even remember i don't honestly know if i have anything else to add if there's a specific question that i'm missing here but but um no, we just yeah. needed somebody to talk to. <laughs> really what's happening.
0: Um, this is our, our least pointed interview yeah, and the yeah. one that feels the most like we're, we're fumbling through. So thank you for bearing with us.
1: And I agree, and I'm not helping you, but but, but see, <laughs> this is also like, I think like when Kanye or this cycle of a Black celebrity stumbling over themselves with, on these types of topics publicly is welcomed by this media environment, this political environment, because I think it's, as you've both said in in different ways that it assures that we get nowhere. So, for instance, when at one point people were bringing up, well, Adam Silver is a Jew who's the commissioner of the NBA, and he's presiding over the, this this punishment of Kyrie. So that's evidence, and at no point am I hearing anybody well. Well, wait a minute, that's a good point. Why are the commissioners of these major leagues, they were at the one point Jews, even of hockey at one point. I had to go and find out without anybody helping me, really, that one of the reasons, at least along the lines that we've been talking about already, is that Jews in this country, in the United States, were first to basketball before Black people. It was
0: a less fun game, but we were playing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't commenting on the <laughs> nature of the game. I wasn't saying <laughs> nothing about that. but. A
0: lot, lot more set shots, but, you know, sure.
2: That's where the bounce pass came from. You know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but this is the perfect example. As the change obviously occurs, and that's a separate discussion, or maybe we can get into that too, as Black people become involved in the sport increasingly, this group of Jews, again, mostly men, mostly of a certain class, could elevate within the business that emerged around the sport in ways Black people couldn't, or no other group. Well, no other non-white group could. There is a history that makes sense behind that that goes beyond just the Jews. And then we could start to isolate, well, what kinds of ideology and class and gender positions do these folks end up taking? And that's where, you know, I think we have more fruitful conversations. And then we could bring in the other folks that are involved in that as well, because then it's like, then you don't have to leave any of them out. But there's plenty of people with their feet up in cigars sitting there saying, you know, they're not talking about me today and how wonderful that is.
0: Yeah. Well, and I want to just stay on that point because that feels like the most important thing that gets left out is the who benefits, right? And I think it also explains why when, you know, whether it's running the media, I will use that as an example. What's left out for most people's understanding of why that feels like a dog whistle is that there's a second part to that sentence that is violent when that line is used specifically by white supremacist anti-Semitism, right? It's not just Jews run the media, which I do think a lot of people, especially just in the last couple of weeks, I've seen like they're like, why is that a problem to say? Like there are a lot of Jews who work there. Why is that a problem? And it's because there's a second part to that sense that hasn't trickled down in the same way that says the reason they're doing that is to destroy our society and control everything and ruin. White society, basically, like that's not and part um, of how they'll do that is by puppeting black people, right? And and so, to the point of the ahistoricism or the lack of like the knowledge of the how we got to that, like yeah, Jews. I'll speak for me, like I know that second part of that sentence that's been taught to me my whole life that that's what they're saying when you say that, and your hackles get raised when you hear the first part of the sentence and you assume that that second part of the sentence is implied. And then the people who didn't know that that was what they were saying was the second part. Go, hey, 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 like I'm just making a claim of why is Adam Silver running the league and not the assumption that Adam Silver is running, not (laughs) Steve, right? Running the league (laughs) to, like, you know, take over polite white society, which is basically what the white supremacists are saying. Does that make sense?
1: I think so. And and in the non-white supremacist sense, conservative Black analysis or response of that, to, to that is that uh, Adam Silver is running the NBA as part of the further exploitation of Black people. And my point is Adam Silver, as commissioner of the NBA, is participating in overseeing an operation that's exploiting Black people uh, with intention and by design, but not as part of a particularly Jewish <laughs> Cabal or Racial capitalism.
0: It's just the same fucking people as everything else. <laughs> yeah. It's the same. Like it, yeah. the buck stops with the same people on all these things. Like, why would this and, be a different villain? You know, and why
2: y- y- your lens of this is helpful is I think there's a way that you draw, maybe not even explicit, but draw similarities to the Ditties and the Jay Z's and like the Black capitalists who are also participating in exploitation and disruption and disorganization.
1: Yeah, and if you took every Jew out of leadership in sports, media, and entertainment, and replaced them with a black person, there would be zero change in the ultimate political content. What would change? It's it would, would likely change. <laughs> well, it would become more sophisticated in its delivery, a la Wakanda Forever, and all that right, other kind right, of stuff. Right. right. You, you, the more black people you add into the mix (pun intended), the more of the cultural affinity, the style, the approach. That makes the the message more difficult when it was quote unquote just Jews both behind and in front of the camera and you have Al Jolson in blackface doing the jazz singer it's a lot more obvious than when you have Tyler Perry or Ryan Coogler and Spike Lee and Ava DuVernay you know doing ultimately the same thing politically but with a a, a, a legitimate blackness. That is is a defense mechanism. So that's really, you know all I've tried to to point out in all of this. And then I do I do i I admit frustration in the disingenuousness that I think occurs on on all sides because just as much as I'm critical of the conservative black analysis that just wants to call out Jews so that they can get numbers and and claim some sort of radicalness that doesn't exist, I'm equally bothered by the Jewish community's response that is often, this idea that that there is this institutional desire among Jews for Black liberation. If Kanye doesn't say this, if Kyrie doesn't say this, just like pretty much any other non-Black group, Jews are like, I'm not thinking about Black people. It's like, I'm not. (laughs) I don't care in both both ways. I'm not thinking of them as negative, and I'm also not thinking of freeing them either. Like, I'm just out here. And then when Kanye says something, then it it, it does have that sort of blanket white feel of when white folks just in general, like like after, you know, Ferguson or something, white folks, oh, I didn't know they were upset. (laughs) The only difference is you get people like the ADL coming in and say, no, I told you those black folks are anti-Semitic. Like they have a special anti-Semitism. And then they always pull out the Farrakhan reference and the Hebrew Israelites. Amen. And it's like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. Man. <laughs> it's like, but what I think inhibits this is I think some of the like when you say um, what was it, the cockles on your neck? Is that what you said? Go up. Is that what the I ha- The hackles. Yeah. The hackles. Like, I, like the hair oh, stands up. Like, That's right. I'm like ready you
0: know, to. To box, you know? I get it. I mean, I, you another know, thing Jews were doing early. We're big in the boxing game. That's right. <laughs> that's right.
1: That's right. You know, so that's why I keep using that, that for some reasons, that exchange that Rosenberg just had with, on Math Hoffa's platform, that the defensiveness ends up inhibiting a lot of the conversation too. And then everybody starts to retreat to their corner. And then the only people who really benefit to try to address that are, again, the existing ruling elite. Among the people who benefit the least are at least one group that we would I would want to isolate are radical Jews involved in real grassroots political organization. Mm-hmm. They're never considered in this the Jews. Yeah. Shout out to y'all. I'm so glad
0: we brought you here. That felt great. Thank you very much. No, but no, but I mean,
1: but it's, it's, it's brilliant because but but look at the history. I, I keep referencing Annie Zirin. I think Leibowitz is her new name now. The classic piece she did on the history of Zionism that I think is just so brilliant. I just love it. But the main point that she was making was that Zionism has always been supported by, by, well, since it's been supported by the West, it's been done so for the purposes of, from their perspective, getting rid of the international Jew, that radical communist labor organizing social, get them out of here, put them in Israel and let them do what needs to be done over there. And so on the one hand, they can be held up as the conservative Zionist threat to the world. They can be held up on the other end as the radical socialist labor communist threat to the world. They can be said to be ruling Hollywood to to destroy the original white man and the original black man as well. And then they can also be held up as owning everything. All avenues of, of blame are afforded here. And nobody gets beyond just this veneer of the Jews. So it's like we, we, we just get stuck. And as I was saying, again, in my class just the other day, you all said six months. I usually say give it two to three years, but but maybe we're on a new clock.
0: Oh, it's elevated. It's, it's oh, yeah, escalating. Yeah. I think yeah, it's picked sure. up.
1: I, I think yeah. we're on another side of a.
0: Of a and the cycle. reason why that is, is not because black people are saying more fucked up things. It's because white conservatives are more anti-Semitic in public now. The problem wasn't that Kanye said
2: the thing to me. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem Israelite's was the have been doing their thing. They, they've been recruiting. They've been on the court. I didn't
0: feel like <laughs> afraid because Nick Cannon said what he said. For me personally, the danger in this was that Tucker Carlson had him on to say it. Right. That then this becomes co opted by the right as a like a cross racial line yeah. justification and validation of their project can't be right. racist the
2: black people saying it too
0: exactly just like we see in the political process like this this mayor can't be a fascist she's a black woman who's a prosecutor a queer black woman right like there's this platforming of individuals as representative of their community as a way that serves the project
1: i had a similar thought but not quite the way you put it so that was interesting why aren't we raising a question about the platform inviting kanye You know, I even felt that way about the reporters standing in front of Kyrie demanding he renounce anti-Semitism, and I kept thinking, "Why don't you take that energy with the mic and the and the camera and go find someone who would actually have something meaningful to say about this subject?" And I'm and and I'm reminded, but that's not the point. On a non-conservative space, it works the same way for liberals, in the sense that it it. Revalidates a sort of liberal Zionist conservative sort of approach to to to, to politics um, that then becomes, if I'm hearing you're getting your point correctly, enhanced. Take it to a new level of rabidity, if that's a word. Is that is that a word? It, rabidity, rabid nature, like oh, a yeah. higher level of rabid. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It feels good.
0: Rabid. I don't know. You're playing it into endosmantic tropes. That sounds like rabbi. We got a big problem here. <laughs> oh no, I
1: didn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally joking. What,
0: <laughs> I'm joking. I'm
1: joking.
2: <laughs> Buta but, but Square, not rabidical, <laughs> not rabidical. <laughs> I
1: was say rabidity. I thought I was being slick, but of See, that's none. how Zoom gets you. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, I'm 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 I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't, my thought isn't well formed mm. here, but I think you raise a really good point because I know Kanye, and increasingly it seems like a, a, a swath of the so called left want to kind of move and say, I want to, I want to get to Tucker and I want to expose the, to the right wing a new way of being right wing or whatever, some nonsense like that. But, but in reality, he should have said, I'm not going on Tucker Carlson.
0: Yeah, we know who Tucker Carlson is. Tucker Carlson is not going to be a friend to he doesn't. Black Black. Right. Well, that's <laughs> if
2: that's you a saw whole... the the documentary, he was not aware of who Tucker Carlson was until Tucker Carlson supported his crying presidential speech where he was talking about abortion. Like you see him watching it, and he's like, doesn't know who the guy is. He's like, who is this? <laughs> but I still we, we feel like, him. like... He's,
1: he's like. <laughs> My, I'm sorry. I, I still feel like though that that even in in the the so-called liberal media spaces, Mm -hmm. whether it's drink champs or the the NBA, you know, TV, NBC Mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think that they have any genuine interest in solving these concerns either. I don't think they have any genuine interest in in telling the true history of Jews or of black people or their interaction. I think they want to be able to say he's anti-Semitic. Because for them, it protects that, you know, conservative range of politics. It does continue to, to, to protect even the, the Zionist ideals um, that they support just as much as anyone else. So it's it's it's, it's a sanctioned narrative. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a sanctioned narrative. I it, even said gives- the same thing speaking to Nick Cannon. I felt the same way in, 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 in humble criticism of Professor Griff. Why are you inviting Nick Cannon to to get himself in a situation you know he's not ready for? You know he doesn't know even what you think you know. <laughs> and my point is you're not inviting an elevated or an advance of the argument or the analysis. You're 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 in in that instance you're inviting him to say clickbait really. You're just inviting him to say things that he's not I think an expert or qualified to talk about in in a, in a context where it's not going to be laid out. And in a way that's not going to elevate, particularly for black people, a better understanding of of these histories and and what to do about them. It it ends up satisfying what I think are ultimately a variety of very conservative politics.
0: As Chappelle once said, who the fuck cares what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this? Mm -hmm. Like there are
1: maybe other people who could be
0: having this conversation in public.
1: But they would never. Mm -hmm. CNN is no more than... Fox wants to have a real discussion about any of this. So I was actually yelling at YouTube. I'm watching a clip. I'm yelling at the TV like I was an old man or like, you know, (laughs) like, you know, I'm watching the thing and I actually felt bad for Kyrie in that moment. I'm like, he's not, he doesn't, he's He's not not equipped. (laughs) He's not equipped. Again, all of the hours he's been practicing basketball, he's not been studying these histories. (laughs) So there are people who have been. While they don't even know there's an NBA playing, they're still immersed in these histories. They don't even know who Kyrie is. They've been studying this stuff so much, but you don't invite them. So I'm, I'm like yelling at the screen. I'm like, if you really want to have a conversation, if you really want to get to the bottom of anti-Semitism, talk to somebody else. Who cares if Kyrie's an anti-Semite or not? Who cares? If you really want to solve the issue and advance us towards ridding the world of anti-Semitism, you are part of a network. Now, I know the guy <laughs> holding the camera can't do nothing, but I'm just saying you work for a network that's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You could find a couple hours here and there to have some serious conversation, but there never is. So how is Kyrie supposed to know any better? If, if, like seriously, how's he supposed to know? How's he supposed to
0: know? And in moments where that negative attention and like punishment is being directed, that's not really how people learn. Maybe it's at other points where there could be opportunity, but like to be like, this is the moment that you're supposed to be able to understand something that fundamentally changes your thinking in order to protect your livelihood. It's an unreasonable and unfair demand, I think. And I think it's a counterproductive one that, like you were saying earlier, Dame, like then
2: it becomes evidence for the more conspiratorial claim. Right. Because right? Tom Brady had a, a MAGA hat in his locker. He didn't lose any of his access or any of his equity. He at, did have to lives. go to Florida, <laughs> <laughs> but by choice, you know. And, it's almost just as bad as it's
0: <laughs> right. right. But, Boston, you know, Boston which, was like, "No, you've gone too far." But to us. your point you of know.
2: like, you know, that is you know where the the real anti even the anti blackness obviously of the MAGA trajectory, but the the anti semitism is coming from, and like wearing that hat. Should be just as much of a signal. That's way worse. Hebrew (laughs) to Negro, you know, (laughs) it's way worse. So I think that's a a really good example.
1: That's a good point. Um, I mean, that is a good point. All right. So
2: we we we're at the end of your time. We got to wind down. Um, We fortunately, or maybe not fortunately. I think also a lot of the origin of this conversation. Daniel was also trying to understand Zionism and. Israeli apartheid and Palestinian solidarity. We're not going to have that conversation now, but I didn't want to have the conversation. So, with those, are no, they, those are easy. Those are easy ones. Those are easy ones. And that's
0: the thing that's out. so that's something that's so <laughs> frustrating is like maybe that would be a more useful conversation to <laughs> be having right now. than For both who runs the media, yeah. right? Like
2: there's a real claim to be made, and that's why I get frustrated with Kanye and Kyrie. Of like, even if you wanted to have the conversation you're having. I don't hear any Palestinian solidarity. It's all frivolous. It's all in this, you know, celebrity it's all in, culture, and it's all
0: rooted in the white supremacist stakes, right? Right, and okay. understandings. All right, so, so that was a caveat
1: for right. us squatted down. Three. That's why um, I keep saying I keep saying conservative analysis. You all put it more more directly. I mean, it it is. It's it is. That's all it is. To say it's the Jews without any broader analysis is conservative whiteness, and that's why I think it's 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 odd. Uh, paradoxical when nominally black radicals parrot that same language and claim that they're doing something that's not white supremacist.
0: And it's part of why white Jews get so upset is they go like, not you too. <laughs> yeah. Like that's part, that's part of the like initial shock and hurt of it.
1: But I have to say that that's the part that frustrates me because don't say not you too, when you don't care about black people either. I know, I know. I <laughs> agree. Like you don't care either and, and, and have your own versions of hostility towards black people, both linguistically and otherwise. So like if, if black people really want to, solve, we got to get past just the Jews. If Jews people really want to solve it, we got to get past you know, a resistance or refusal to acknowledge the relationship that actually does exist, not the secret one. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, I'm just playing with my nation is my brother's. <laughs> is. I'm just playing. But the real relationship. <laughs> Literally, your
2: I think the nation really just like loves secrets too. I think it's like, just like, <laughs> 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 there's
1: just like a child, like, we wanna find all of the secrets. Hey, look, I did read the second volume. I did read the second volume. I even took it to the library and checked citations, okay. checked resources. The book is very well researched. It, the only problem is, well, my, the biggest problem is it only focuses on the quote unquote bad Jews. So if you if you if you tell the history of Jews by picking on just the bad ones, you could fill a volume, yeah. but it, <laughs> it, it it doesn't help black people. That's my biggest problem. It doesn't help black readers to understand much. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. so.
2: For the second time, we gotta let you go. I, we, we're gonna have to do a part three is what it looks there like. There you go. Have to
1: keep it I, up would be honored. I wanna and since I seat. didn't help
2: you with this one. You I did didn't help.
1: <laughs> I didn't help. I was no,
2: no, know. this is great. We want to have this conversation. And right I now. wanted to
0: I also think it's good to to model the fumbling through it.
2: I think that is a big part of where yeah. the issue is, is that there's a fear of fumbling through it. Yeah. Mm. But but I, I wanna I wanna plant the seed of what I want to talk to you next. And it's kind of an intersection of two conversations that I was gonna try to squeeze into one, but let's do it with with space. I really wanna talk one biggest picture. I really have a desire to talk to black men, black cis men with a liberatory lens more concretely about patriarchy, similar to how we dug in here. Right. And then kind of in that relative to the emergence of movement and how we talk about movement, the, the, that rise and fall of BLM, I, I really appreciated the conversations you had as things were really hitting the fan with the folks on the ground, with the black women on the ground, particularly most impacted by it, who I feel like get erased in the conversation, but kind of that, you know, within the conversation of how do we critique movement, how do we particularly relate to, I think, this very valuable iteration that is centering on intersectionality and gender oppression as a bolster of white supremacy and anti-blackness is something that I just want to, I want to get
1: down in the, in the depths with you. on. I'm happy to come back. I'll use any excuse, but we did, we did cover those issues today because, yeah. because all of it comes down to the Jews. That's the, <laughs> that's the bottom line.
2: <laughs> so you, that was great that was perfect so I, so yeah i want to i want to get you back and and really dig deep into that and, and, and do some of the similar packing but thank you again for being so gracious with your times and your, your i no, appreciate you both anytime kiss you got any closings just thank
0: you for literally being the only other person in the world that i'm interested in talking to really right now <laughs> who i feel like there's other people to talk to but who i think would be thoughtful in the way that can get through this so appreciate you and appreciate having someone else to talk to
1: <laughs> i know that's right No, anytime thank you both very much it's been a pleasure and an honor and peace to your audience as yeah. well Thank much much love we're we gonna follow up
0: we'll yeah. be back on the line uh reshaping the culture of our city and world for the more liberatory and creative
2: much love to the people
0: peace